0: Great families down there, the Papines, the Fuentes, the the uh, Perdomos, Their people work there because they they're treated very well. They make a good wage for the area. Absolutely. And, and like Papine does, and so many others do, when their fields are dormant, they they get into a monsoon season where it rains and rains and rains, and they let the they let the workers uh, plant beans.
1: Well, they plant they, they they themselves plant the crop, one, to for the soil nutrients because you have to do you have to rotate crops right. so the soil will will be worn out. But and, and Nick even said that I you know one of the, he was talking about that and I I asked a question I said well what happens with the beans or whatever you plant he goes well the workers get
0: it. Yeah, and and uh, so because the beans can survive under the. Tremendous rains. Even if the fields are completely underwater and the roads are underwater, the beans survive.
1: And, and one thing I didn't know about Nicaragua before going there is their top three um, exports are tobacco, coffee, and rice. I had no—I knew about coffee. I had no idea about rice. All the rice. And, and when we were going up in the, into the mountains in Nestle, seeing all the the rice fields, it, it was it was it was amazing.
0: And also, a lot of the homes are cinder blocks because what happens is when this when the rainy season starts they take everything out of their cinder block homes and they head to higher ground Hmm. and then when they come back the the uh structures are still there they literally just move right back in fire up the fire outside go to town they grab their satellite dish and because a lot of them have satellite dishes and uh they head out and that's and that's the way it works and uh but it was. It was a great, a great trip for you. I knew you would, you, you would really enjoy it because it is totally different once you follow it from seed to wrapper and you get to see all the different phases of it and the complexity of it and the science of it and the work that they do. It is backbreaking work. When they're climbing up in those curing sheds and they're, you know, 30 feet off the ground, they got five layers, they literally climb from rack to rack and the guys stand up on the top, and they just hand them up, and they change those every other day, and you know, and they got huge, long curing sheds, and a lot of them, and so they're doing this every day, and it's 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 a lot, a lot of work, in the massive fields, and cleaning the fields out, and making sure everything's fine, it's it's a tremendous amount of work, and you get a real appreciation for a fine cigar, so. Uh, that being said, John, your
1: cigar of the week is. In homage to my trip, Ah, um, uh, Perdomo 20th Anniversary Maduro. Ah, uh, very nice. Anything
0: I've had from Perdomo has always been good. And Chris is a Chris is a great guy. He's the, he's a rep, but he's more than that. He's like their national salesman. He's their national
1: size. salesman, and he and he has this the southeast is his part of the southeast is his region. Absolutely.
0: And he is an amazing guy, one of the greatest guys i've ever met in this industry from in the days when I was in it he was uh, he was always a gentleman, always fun, it. and he treated every store, whether it was a small store to a large store. He always gave one hundred and ten percent when he did an event,
1: always one hundred and ten
0: percent he always treated you like the most important cigar store and and it's it's tremendous to see his growth and see his his uh leaping up into the into the company and uh, he
1: was he, I mean, we were there for, for education and, and, and re- relaxation and fun, but he worked his tail off the entire time, smiling the whole way. Now, I do have a question for you, though, John, and this is a question that has bothered me.
0: Uh-oh. Now, when Lou came back, she had lots and lots of cigars.
1: She was pretty generous with her cigars.
0: Now, did you come back with any cigars?
1: I came back with some some cigars from the festival that we went to. Oh, okay. we weren't we weren't and that's that that was one thing that was different from the trip that she had talked about. Uh-huh. We weren't given we were given cigars to smoke that day, two or three cigars in the morning. Two. Or th- and and I that was it literally blew through most. I've got a couple. Of, you're you're welcome to them if you no, want.
0: No, no. I I was just wondering because you know, I I just wanted to bring that point up
1: because I did not you know, I did not come back because I, I I had anticipated coming back. Not like the lot.
0: ICPCR where Lou came back. She had to get another suitcase.
1: Yeah. The, the, I didn't see
0: a lot from that suitcase, but you know. I was just—I was just curious because, absolutely, it, you know, because uh, c- when I've I came back, no I, I, share, I shared a little bit of the wealth, but Don Papine
1: was very generous. For a guy that sacrificed.
2: doesn't like Bernie Sanders, this guy's always looking for stuff, you know.
1: Well, he didn't always. have his hand out this time, at least. I mean, really, grief.
2: Well, I'm yeah. just saying, you know, it's, I find it kind of kind of strange.
1: Well, it's not. It's just that you know,
0: a brother helps a brother out. Now he did come up with one of the best things I've ever eaten. He's got these incredible venison sticks. Buck stick. Buck sticks and the, the, from the venison that he harvested on uh, on one of his trips, and they made these like uh,
1: Slim Jim. Sl- they're like
0: a Slim Jim. Exactly, exactly what but, it is. But when you say Slim Jim, people go, eh? You know, they're slimy, greasy. greasy
1: they're,
0: you know, hard to chew. Who
1: knows what kind of chemicals are yeah, in? Yeah,
0: but this is just pure. And he took them right out of the freezer. Right out of the freezer, in just a few minutes of thawing, those things were great. You didn't want to try one, Greek, but I finally convince yeah. you got to you got to admit that was really incredible that was the best it?
2: one i've ever had
0: by far i mean it was really really good so he was he was sharing with that i just i just thought that he may have thought that
1: you know oh no no that was no no you, you know me better than that colonel well i just i just i ch- literally, ch- I, ch- literally ch- I think i had i think i came back with how was the festival four Perdomos. how was the festival it was really it was it was great um a lot of a lot of delicia cool. um the vixen <laughs> he who shall, she who shall remain nameless, apparently. Yes. Um, there are a lot of faces that, that I knew. Uh huh. Um, Don Papine and Jaime Garcia were there receiving an award. It was a uh-huh. Nicaraguan cigar festival. Um, was it like in the center of town? It was in a, in a, a hotel. Really oh, nice really? hotel, yeah. It was, it was a big, big, um, comp, not conference room, but big auditorium. Uh, live music. Oh. lots of cigars like the of course they're all Nicaraguan cigars yeah um and i just literally i just dumped them in my box I didn't even looked through them <laughs> since I've been here um now that's the way to go absolutely and it, it was it was really neat the Vixen was drinks, there free food the vixen was there um some guy some tall dark-haired guy that I can't remember Lou, what's his Willie. oh yeah Lou's Willie no, 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 no. no.
0: <laughs> Lose friend Willie. I think we have to, I think we have to qualify that. But anyway,
1: you say tomato, I say tomato. You knew what I meant, right? Uh, no. Yes, but you uh, lions. If she weren't in the room, you'd have said yes.
0: But anyway, so you had a great time.
1: It was and, fun. Uh, it was. It was. It was interesting. Got to meet and talk. And one of the probably probably one of my my favorite things mm-hmm. about the trip was getting to interact with other retailers in the area and just sort of bouncing things, well how do you guys do this? What do you do uh, what do you do in this situation? What sells well? Just it was really interesting to have that interaction throughout the throughout the time we were there. Um got to play some dominoes. Um interesting. I I told have I told you the cat story? No. Ah, uh, met a uh couple guys i don't i don't even know where the store is um very interesting we're we're introducing ourselves on the first night and everybody walks around everybody says something about themselves Uh and these two gentlemen come up the one tells his name and i can't remember what he said the other one says yeah i'm i think his name is steve i'm steve but everybody calls me goat because it's easier to remember and uh he then proceeds to say i love cats and then i look at his shirt and he's wearing a cat shirt I thought he goes. No, I don't love cats. I'm obsessed with cats. Eh, a little quirky, but okay. The next day, he has a conversation with Russ, and um, he says, "Yeah, I have I have two cats in my store, and they they sleep in the humidor at night." And Russ said, "What? <laughs> Seriously?" He goes, "Yeah, it helps me. I think he said they help me." start a conversation with females, because females like cats, and it allows me to sell cigars to females. And he said, Al- although I had a scare a couple weeks ago, the rest said, do tell. <laughs> he said, um, he said, I-, I thought I had, um, not beetles, um, tobacco beetles, thought I had tobacco Ooh. beetles. So I had to take the cigars out and put them in the freezer. I went back a couple days later and checked on them. And he goes, I was so excited they were cat fleas on the cigars. Uh, And Russ said, well, where do the, he goes, if, if they sleep in the humidor, where do they go to the bathroom? He's like, they don't go to the bathroom. Oh, wow. So I won't name the store. I couldn't remember it if you asked me, but I won't Uh, be visiting that store. But mm. on that note, (laughs) very good, very good food. um, Very hospitable. You know, the, the, All the people we met at the factory, very pleasant. Yes, Um, really interesting to see the rolling process, to see the draw testing. Um, Nick indicated that he is one of the only factories that draw tests every single cigar that he produces. How do they do that? They have a machine, and I don't know if he made it or not. But um, before, (laughs) we're getting commentary. Nick said, "I (laughs) didn't say it was the truth. I said Nick said." (laughs) (laughs) they have a machine and before the final wrapper is put on a cigar the they have they have a person at that machine and they get them out of the take them out of the press and they put it in this machine and it does a draw and if it the needle hits a certain level it's good if not it's it's a bad roll and it has to go back to the roller Mm -hmm. and they don't get paid for that cigar Um, they get an opportunity to remake it to salvage their reputation so to speak but they won't get paid for that cigar so needless to say the rollers are very meticulous about about how they are doing their job. Be, not only because of pride, but it determines how, it how much they pay. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Ah, yeah. oh, pay for performance. Hmm. hmm. What it's a, a novel, novel idea. idea. Yeah, there we go. Well, John, thank how you. How many very rollers much. do they have
1: there? Oh,
2: Just To give people an idea of what what size facility it's, they
1: have. I didn't count them, but there's a, probably two dozen. the peens, when I went to, it was a
0: massive auditorium uh, right. setting uh-huh. and there were long tables on both sides there were i think three glenn was there i can't remember if glenn remembers is it two aisles two aisles uh in pepins we're trying to figure out how many rollers there were there probably 50 60 at least yeah wow because because oh. uh, it's uh, if you can imagine There's at a least
1: huge there was at least that many 50 rollers um, and it's interesting because they're in pairs yes um yeah. the first one it depends if they're w- it, at the perdomo factory is left-handed or right-handed it depended where they sat um but there's one section for left-handed and one section for right-handed and and if yeah
0: yeah Oh, are talking about there's a lot more than that that's pepins right there we're looking at there's at yeah. least 100 150 in there
1: Yep, at that and table. at the Perdomo factory, they were, they were on smaller, they were individual tables. Like there was a table for a roller, uh, a binder and a roller, and there and they were an they were ungodly in amount, of roll, amount of tables for each one of them. It but if you huge. ever get a
0: chance, if you ever, ever get a chance to go, if you love cigars, I think you would love the cigar even more if you had the experience to see where your favorite cigar is made, how it's made, follow it from the field. Because this is the time of year to go. That's when we went down was February, March. This is the time where they're yep. harvesting a yeah. lot of tobacco. Yeah. This is the season. It's the the season. And uh, it's a great, great time to go. Well, John, thank you very much. The Perdomo is always an excellent choice. I'm looking forward this to the This is a, a, a Maduro?
2: Great... Yes. Tell us a little bit about this cigar before we let you go. <laughs> okay. It's, <laughs> it's good.
1: You know what? I didn't. It's a mild to
0: medium. Mm-hmm. It's a good mild to medium stick, uh, probably going a little more to the medium than the mild. I would it's, say medium. And uh, medium. it's got a nice Fairly Maduro earthy. wrapper. It's, it's got a... A it, it, little it, pepper. Yeah. Not
2: it's, too much, though.
0: Yeah, so it doesn't doesn't kill your palate, but it has an excellent draw. Good burn. The sweetness, You get a little sweetness off the wrapper because the Maduro, you know, basically it's heated or it's warmed up to a point where... Um, the maduro leaf if it cures a little longer it gets a little warmer actually caramelizes the sugar in the leaf and makes That's it a little sweet. darker
1: and yeah i was the, the the maduro process if done if done correctly is natural mm-hmm. um there are some places that do it with artificial heat will heat a room mm-hmm. um but the pilones as I, I understood they they were called these huge piles of tobacco at the Perdomo factory, he has a PVC, PVC tube running through the middle of it and then runs a um, thermometer, basically a, di- a thermometer through Because like anything else, that heats up as it's stacked. And once it reaches a certain level, he then takes that, his workers take that pylone apart and rebuild it in the opposite fashion, taking the so leaves So it's a natural heat,
0: but that heat does natural cure. Natural combustion, absolutely. Yeah, it does cure that tobacco and it gives a. That's why the Maduro, when for years people used to think, well, if it's a Maduro, it's a strong cigar, it's a it's a heavy cigar, it's 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 going to be really peppery, and it's not. It, in many cases, that's not the not the case at all.
1: Maduro ty- typically is sweeter. If yes. it's if it's done correctly, right. It's, it's sweeter. Now, Lajero, which know. is the top top leaf, leaf. in a, is right below
0: the, they cut the, when the plant they, they blooms, they cut the flower. They cut the flower off, and they take those top leaves, which are the Lajero, because and there's. That's actually going to be the last
1: – that's the last priming. The Seiko, Viso, and Lajero. I know there are levels in between that. Yeah. But the the, is, last, the last priming is Lajero, and some, some manufacturers will actually leave that a little bit longer for that Lajero to be even, even stronger. Because it takes all the nutrients out of the soil makes it poof. It's, yeah. it's <laughs> actually I, – I it's and I, I knew this, but I confirmed it with um, – with Nick Perdomo, that the longer a leaf is exposed to the sun, the stronger it becomes. That's why the leaves on the bottom are not as strong, not as full-bodied, and that's also why if you talk about a Connecticut wrapper, typically a Connecticut wrapper is it's going to be very mild. One of the reasons it's mild is it's typically grown under cheesecloth. If it says Connecticut sun-grown, that's going to be a little bit, a little bit fuller of a, of a leaf. Right, but the Connecticut sun-grown has zero direct exposure to the sun, so it's going to be the mildest tobacco leaf that that, that is.
0: Telling you, my friends, on what's your point? You learn so much, whether it's political, sports, or just cigars. Or yeah, or leisure. It's right here on what's your point? And we thank you so much, John You're Sandella, welcome. a voice of Cutter Cigar Emporium today, and we appreciate. That sounds it sounds
2: like an interesting trip. Oh, I, oh, I oh really man! If you get a
0: chance to go, Greek.
3: That's grown on the cheesecloth in the summer. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't say typically, but traditionally, the summer months are not too long. Right, right. So, yeah, it was a pretty neat story,
0: though. But you've, and and you're probably one of the most aficionados here at the store, so you've smoked a lot of cigars. You know, Perdomo's had a traditionally good track record.
3: Yeah, he's very active in the community for, very active with cigar rights, smokers' rights. A lot of people don't differentiate between cigarettes and cigars.
0: They just kind of lump us all in the same Tobacco in general. So, you know, he's he's very active in uh, cigar rights. And that's another thing, and that's something that's going to be very important this year. There could be some dramatic changes this year. I hope not in Georgia. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about the feds. Of course, anytime the feds get involved, you know it's going to be a problem. But they're talking about getting involved and making it basically so Uh cigar companies before, what is it, 2009? Or 2007, I think that was one of the years that they were looking at anything before that basically are going to go out of business because they're not Mm -hmm. going to be allowed to sell. Because uh, there's there's too much of a flood in the market. There's too many issues. And so the feds are trying to limit the years going forward. You had to have been in the business making those cigars during a during a, a time frame, which was ludicrous. Yeah. But what it basically would do is a lot of the boutique cigars that have really had a renaissance in the last four or five years, yeah. there have been a huge – because. The regular cigars, the Fuentes, the a lot of them have been out there for a long time. Floor, yeah. Yeah, and and they and they really dominated. But then these small boutiques started up, and they started making some absolutely exceptional cigars and started really flooding the marketplace. And they will all be in in essence knocked out of business. They're going to put it's going to be so that's, horrific that's on them. That's terrible. That's
2: Could terrible. they work out some type of an arrangement where they come under the umbrella of someone that was already that's grandfathered in?
0: What? I yeah, that's what I think. That's what I think was
3: happening. So the big guys have enough clout to say, hey, well, they can, okay,
0: what? well we'll yeah. take these over. We've been in the business this long, so yeah. Yeah. you know, but it's too bad because the boutiques offer, it, offer a different perspective on cigars. It's like anything I could liken it to wine, yeah. beer. Sure. Yep. You know, you yeah. look at the beer craft and you look at Budweiser. Yep. Budweiser buys up a lot of these small craft well, brews. Because that's where the
2: growth good. in that industry really has come in the last few years, in the, in the beer industry especially, and it, it just it flies in the face of what we're supposed to be all about. about.
0: Exactly, and this Capitalism. is once again yeah. free market. That's exactly. right. It's once again this this anti-government, anti-constitution administration that we have. No, I should say pro-government, anti-constitution government that we have now.
2: Well,
3: we have and they
0: they, point strangle, point. they strangle. They strangle. Y- you know, j- at the beginning of the year on January one. The Fed's dumped 4,000 new regulations onto businesses. 4,000 regulations. Last year it was 4,000. I mean, that's the stuff you don't even know about until it's too late.
2: <laughs> and, and then they have a wonderful knack for when, when things go wrong with this red tape and this, this bureaucracy that they create. They are are they're always quick to point out well look it's free enterprise messed up again you know this is this is capitalism again uh, the the evils of capitalism well no it's the red tape that you're making them jump through That's so that forcing. They, they cannot really r- uh, realize the true ends of capitalism to uh, to flourish and 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 we we have that problem it's it's an ongoing fight we, the, I don't think you'll ever see in any civilization as long as we're alive true free market capitalism but we seem to be going further and further and further away from it instead of trying to get closer and closer to
0: it and what's funny is the countries that have gone away from it are now coming back to it and we're we're the we were the the leaders and they were quick to say they still are the leaders but I mean it is it is brutal right now for a small businessman to open a business well the barriers
2: to entry now in, in, in and in just about any type of business you go into because of regulations and, and, and because of uh, the nature of the banking business also you've got these these big banks the ones that were too big to fail they're also the ones that are not extending any type of capital to small businesses and if we would have allowed these big banks to fail and some of those assets would have been transferred to smaller regional banks those smaller regional banks would have had the capital to go out and and to help smaller businesses get started, and it would have it would have made the recovery so much faster. I I I I will go back to that as long as I live and think that was one of the biggest mistakes. And you have to kind of you know, Bush was in favor of the bailout as well. Yes. So this wasn't just Obama. Right. That those banks should have been allowed to fail. Yeah. Those those assets should have been transferred to smaller regional banks. And those smaller regional banks would have fuel, fueled a faster recovery.
0: And, you know, and, and understand this. You look at what, what really caused everything to burst, and this goes back to Jimmy Carter, uh, big time with, uh, with Bill Clinton, was the housing industry. Now, the banks, it's your money. In essence, they're only using your money. It's not their money. It's the money that the people have put into it, okay? The people put the money into it. That's how they build their assets. And you have to have certain restrictions. I mean, you know, not everybody should own a home. Not everybody has the ability to pay for a home. And so when Clinton came in and said, well, we're going to cut off the, the, the low money to the banks if you guys don't start taking more of these housing loans, and then the housing loans were going to anybody, you know, the 20, 20% down was gone, then 10% was gone. Pretty soon, everybody that had a hundred bucks could walk in, and as long as they could get a closing cost, and then what happens? They couldn't make their rents or they couldn't make their payments. The banks bundle them up, sold them to another, and then they sold them to another to try to get out of it. And then pretty soon, well, it just it just collapsed. And now we're 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 kind of looking at doing the same thing. We're 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 making it. They're talking about making it easier for homeowners.
2: Well, there was a tremendous lack of institutional control with some of the products that came out towards the end of the the 90s early 2000s when I I, I was in the industry at the time and I can remember when interest only loans were first rolled out on a large scale and the product was originally designed for investors who were turning properties Mm -hmm. to go out buy a property fix it up turn it flip it and it made sense f- for someone to get into a, an interest-only situation like that. But when they rolled that product out after a few years, they started making that product available to anybody that wanted a mortgage. I well, right. Con- well, mean, just think of human nature. You're looking at two homes. One is $800,000 a year, or one is $800,000, and the other one is, is $600,000. But your payment's going to be the same, whether you, you buy this one on a traditional mortgage or you buy this one on an interest-only. Well, which one is most people going to buy? And they were conditioned, uh, as we all were, I think, to, to think that well, property is only going to increase over time, right? So you're you're, you're always going to get some type of uh, of appreciation in the investment. You're never going to lose money. And when the market adjusted and real estate prices, which were overinflated to begin with, came back down, you had all these people upside down in homes that they had no they had no collateral built up in because they were only paying the interest on the note. Uh, there there has to be there has to be more controls in place to where product is, is, is applied in a, in a more discretionary manner.
0: You know, housing was always something you aspired to. You know, you wanted to get enough money, save enough money to put the down payment, to buy a house, and then you did it based on what your salary was, what your intake was, and you figured how much of a percentage was it gonna cost you every month, and people waited to do that. And then when the go- you know when the banks started coming in and making all these sweetheart deals, at the behest of the administrations, and they were all guilty of it because no one wanted to be the one that said, Oh, we wanted to take away houses, the opportunity to own the American dream, the, the, the house and everything. And too many people got in houses that weren't ready for them.
2: You know, millennials and, now, from s- surveys that they've taken and in, in polls, indicate that that is no longer a priority among millennials, home ownership. They, 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 they'd yeah. rather have a nice car and nice clothes no, they don't and. Want and to
3: drive. They don't want cars either yeah i've got guys that i mean in their 20s didn't get a, his driver's license until he graduated from college when i was 16. I was he couldn't shocked. wait yeah yeah it, i know it's, it's completely foreign to us but that's that's the new, <clears throat> that's the new world now.
0: and they want and they would literally and by the way this is glenn glenn is one of the uh uh regulars here at cutter cigar emporium and and we always appreciate it when it's one of the unique things of the show is people can come up and sit down and and join in on the conversation because they usually always have something to say and always have something to add, whether it's with, in agreement with us or not. But here's the thing now, Greek. This is a great transition into the great, I called it the great giveaway uh, on Sunday. Oh, my God. I I sat there, and I watched Hillary Clinton, and O'Malley was just – I mean, he was just there because they had to have more than two.
2: He looks like he's having a good time, though. He
0: is. He's (laughs) having – yeah, because he's got nothing to lose. He's never going to be there. He goes
2: to Iowa for (laughs) a rally, and one guy shows up, you know. (laughs) But But this
0: gets into – let's talk a little bit about uh, Hillary and Bernie, okay? I – for the first time, all the time I'd seen Bernie, it was basically – um basically he was you'd get sound bites but then I, I i really watched him and this was the first time where he really got challenged and he had to fight back and when he fought back he started spitting and he got and he and he started getting any he, and he contored his face and i mean he really he got scary looking
2: well he, he he's in, in in many respects he's a one-trick pony um you you don't hear uh a lot of um in-depth uh n- international policy with him you, you don't hear a whole lot of, of um, domestic um crime policy i mean he was he was challenged on his gun position but not what he would do with with the escalation in, in gun crimes um i i think where where bernie has his, where his strong point is is what I was saying before we before the cigar break was, he really has has lived this his whole adult life, and he he fundamentally believes in what he's talking about. So when he says it, he comes across in a much more convincing manner than Hillary does, and I think that resonates with a lot of uh, of the Democratic voters.
0: Well, because in his two areas, health care and free college, those are his two real. If you had to pick two points that he's gotten the most. Uh, you know, the most catch in his speaking was. But, see, every time you try to pin him down on how he's going to pay for it, and Hillary even said, well, you were going to pay for the health care this way. Now you're going to pay for it this way. So you're flip-flopping on how you're going to pay for it, and then you're going to add new taxes. Well,
2: not to mention what he rolled out just hours before the debate, where he um, came out and now he is on on the um, platform, or he's going forth with his platform of single-payer. Yeah, I knew you know, that was coming. The um, yeah. just forget about what we have right now. He's gone full boat, and he's
0: which is what he, Obama was trying to get to. Well, and
2: e and, and even going back, if you go back to '93 and Hillary, she wanted was single payer, and, and the Democrat, the the stalwarts of the Democratic Party have always been in the camp of of a, of a single payer system.
0: Single payer basically is a government pays co- for co-
2: government health care. That's it,
0: government health care. That's the death panels. It's the whole nine yards that they never want to talk about, or if they do, they just poo-poo it.
2: You take the uh, insurance companies out of the loop, and you basically, your your insurance company, if you will, is the government, and uh, we've seen what that's done all over the world. And, and the thing that no one talks about, and I think we need to bring it up, this country leads the world in research, and that research is not going to continue if there isn't a reward at the end of, of their research, you know. For every one drug that comes to market, I'm I, and I don't have. I, I, I'm, I'm taking a guess right now, and I'm sure the figures are out there, but I'm guessing for every one drug that actually comes on the market and is successfully sold, I'm guessing there's probably six to ten that don't ever make it. Yet they cost money to go through that process, and it's a very expensive process. So billions of dollars are literally eaten up in drug research that never sees the light of day. Where is, where is that research going to come from if, if you don't have the risk and the reward? Uh, the, 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 there's, there's a fundamental disconnect from economics with the democratic mindset.
0: According to MedicineNet.com, the chance of a new drug to actually make it to market is one in five thousand. One in five thousand actually makes it from the lab to actually full-grown production. Now, if you look at those numbers, now net is kind of a, you know, a, a neutral, a neutral source. But it, even if it were half that, one in five thousand. Now you got. Well, it those
2: like, are the it, odds, though. I don't think that those are the actual number of drugs that are marketing I think what they mean is they have a one in five thousand
0: well so let's say you've uh, got five hot drugs that you're that you're really working on you you're lucky to get one
2: probably higher than that probably one in 25
0: let's see I would think one of these five drugs that are tested is people in people is actually approved one so, in, so one, one in five. five one in five that actually makes it to the people now there's a bunch that never that they get to the people and never even make it to the people and I think that's, that may be where all these others are, where they just fall through. Now, of course, they may not spend as – obviously, they don't spend as much money on those. But still, you, even if it's one in five that are people-tested, to get it to that stage is so outrageously expensive because you've got to go through all the animal testing. You've got to pay those, those, those uh, people that are creating it all the money to keep your researchers – going on in the labs it's, and it's it,
2: probably a 10 year process
0: and it's um, i'm telling you man it is it is it is absolutely difficult
3: but do you have what 10 years a non-compete kind of a fall yeah. or they well, kind of recoup some of the once a
2: drug once the drug is patented or, or trademarked, yeah that, I mean, that that's kind of what the problem has been uh, with well, for instance, common over-the-counter, uh, not not over-the-counter, but common prescribed drugs like Viagra. Right. Why it's so mean. expensive is yeah. because they only have a limited time to recoup their investment yeah. before it becomes generic in the United States. I mean, people are already buying it overseas right. for like two dollars a pill. So I've heard. <laughs>
0: not in Central America. <laughs> but in February, in February of 2012, uh, Forbes was uh, discussing this: is the average drug developed by a major pharmaceutical company cost at an estimate of $4 billion in research dollars spent for every drug that is approved, wanting to make it, and they want to make it even more difficult to get things approved. So you start talking about those kind of numbers, man, that's staggering.
2: Well, those are the kind of things that, I I wish I ran the GOP, because these are the kind of things that in a debate you would just decimate a Bernie Sanders with. Where is that money going to come from for that research, Bernie? Where are these drug companies, What's going to be their incentive to go out and, and, and research and, and bring these drugs to market, if there's no uh, th- if there's no possibility of them to make any type of a profit once they get to market, and and, and what, what what is their answer for that? They're going to do it out of the goodness of their heart. The, the shareholders are going to all take a you know are going to continue to invest in these companies if if they're not making any kind of profit.
0: So what these companies do is a you know like oh in Canada you can get everything for a tenth of the price well that's because it's been developed and they and they they got no skin in the game so they're just getting them and selling them to their people
2: well that that's another issue i have with the drug companies is we don't pass these th- these costs on to other countries and, and they are being able i know india or produces just remaking them, india right? india produces a lot of generic drugs for the world market um, there there's no I, I guess the, the the patents or the trademarks aren't enforceable in in other countries, or uh, however it works out. But um.
3: global profits of Viagra, global, and represented in millions. Just showing you, so wow. you, gotta, you can't think just domestically. This is a yeah. global product. Yeah. Right. So totally. While well, four billion sounds like a lot,
0: when when they hit, when it's they huge, hit
3: and it goes global.
0: And then once that once their time is over. You know, then everybody gets it, and everybody drops the price of profits. A,
3: a, I mean, that hit it off the ballpark. When you think about how many uh, uh, people in that age.
0: Don't, what, what, do you, what do you keep looking at me for, Glen? <laughs> I mean, really. But anyway, that's. But see, that's, that's one of the dirty little things about this single-payer. And if you look at the single-payers there, are, I mean, England, for instance, we've talked about this before, the Cadillac <clears throat> business is going through the roof. That's the only way they're able to keep their good doctors there, because the good doctors are leaving. In fact, they had a they had a one-day uh, strike of 50,000 medical employees in London, and they, and one-day strike because they said, we gotta, we got to get more money. Well, guess what? You ain't going to get more money because the only way you're going to get it is if you tax more. If you tax more, the people aren't going to take it because they're already taxed out the wazoo. So it just...
2: It'll, what, ha- it'll, it'll happen even more so in the United States because of, of what people are, are conditioned to here, (laughs) you're going to see doctors completely (laughs) remove themselves from the single-payer system, and they'll only deal with private insurance. And and the better doctors will only be in that system. Then what do you do? You come in with a regulation saying you're going to force these doctors under the threat of their license if they don't?
0: Well, Donald Trump's going to force Apple to start making everything in the United States. Yeah, and
2: instead of of $600 for an an iPhone 6, it's going to be sixteen hundred
0: dollars yeah and you think and 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 how is the president of the united States? by the way did anybody stop to ask mr trump (coughs) when he made the statement was just (coughs) in the last week mr trump how are you going to force a company to come back to the united states and make their product how are you going to do that
2: with his his tariffs he's going to put tariffs on them
0: problem is when you put tariffs on companies like china and all these countries where we're farming out business now, they're going to reciprocate on all their products that we buy from them. They're going to, as happened in the 30s, <laughs> it was a disaster because we put all these tariffs thinking it was going to help. And what it did was it reversed. The other country said, oh, yeah, you tariff us. We're going to tariff you twice as much on the stuff that we bring from your country so our people aren't going to buy it. And then guess what happened? The whole market tanked well, the and they the, fact the tariffs
2: down. What somebody like Donald Trump doesn't understand, because I don't think he has even an eighth-grade uh, – command of, of political sciences these companies like apple they still are based in the united states they still employ a lot of you know, of americans they still have congressional representation there's no way he's going to ever get something like that forced through congress because first of all the p- people don't want to spend 2000 and 3000 dollars for their iphone they don't want to spend the 600 they're paying right now when it is made in china so so you're not going to get any type of congressional support to get any kind of legislation like that ever passed through and, and his bombastic uh, pronouncements ma- just make him even just, there's just, there's just there, yeah. I think, spotlight even more his com- complete disconnect from how the American political system works. Uh, he, 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 he doesn't understand that he can't be a dictator, he would th- which <laughs> would make him the most ineffective president in, in modern history because he would get nowhere.
0: Well, and, and you, can't, you can't force companies to do it. You just can't. You know, it's a form of protectionism is what it is. Well, that's and the
2: other <coughs> thing, Kevin, that's a, and that's a great point because we have to decide, are we going to be in a global market or not? Are we going to be a player? And instead of sticking our tail between our legs and worrying about protectionism, we should be more aggressive in going out there and finding ways to be more competitive in a world market, in a global market. And for me, that starts with taxation. What we we have we have one party talking about taxing corporations even more which is going to drive more of their money out of this country and then we have a guy like Donald Trump who is threatening uh, a trade war no one has no one has i guess the courage to come out and say you know we're going to stand on our own two legs we're going to go out and we're going to become the most competitive country we can possibly be one way we're going to do it is going to be we're going we're to do away with corporate tax, <laughs> income taxes. We're going to let these companies come back. We're going to let them bring back their capital into this country. No one right now is really championing the common sense approach to taking on a global economy.
0: And what you don't understand is always the unintended consequences, and you go back to the uh, Smoot-Hawley-Hawley-Hawley Hawley, H-A-W-L-E-Y tariff uh, that really came about heavily in the 1930s, and uh, Herbert Hoover pledged to help the bele- beleaguered farmer, among other things, by raising tariff levels on agricultural products. But what happened was they were just coming out of World War One in Europe. They had finally gotten to a point where they were starting to produce again, but they, but then we put all these tariffs on them and all of a sudden they couldn't pay back their, their war debts. So it kind of boomeranged back, and so they quit buying American farmers' products because they couldn't afford them. And then they started putting tariffs on things that the United States was buying, <clears throat> and then we quit it, buying them, and it became it, it became a disaster.
2: The, the free market works, and w- you have to decide whether or not you're going to be a player or you're not, and and we still have the capacity in this country to be... The most significant player, our technology, our innovation, um, and and I, I know that sometimes with with conservatives this is a, a is a touchy subject, but going forward with 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 new forms of fuel, new forms of energy, that's a a huge huge opportunity for the United States. Um, I'm a big proponent of solar energy and the solar energy technology that we could export around the world. We're now losing that fight to China, because we're not. Our our companies are saddled with so much regulation that they're not able to 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 produce their technology at a competitive level, and 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 China able to produce solar panels for a fraction of the cost of what America. I met a
0: guy are. sitting at the bar in Pinehurst. He was a president of a company that does solar panels, and we uh, Michael and I were driving as we were getting closer to Pinehurst. We saw thousands of them out in the fields, and their energy. Uh, the energy company there that encompasses all around Pinehurst and that whole area was all in on solar panels, and there were these, BMW had a big plant there, a big facility there, and hundreds of solar panels out front. We saw whole big swatches of forest cut out, which is nothing but mass. I've never seen so many solar panels, and he said business has been moving, been booming for his business, and... um, he said that's why he's there because he's looking at some other sites where they're going to start putting more in here but getting back to what happens with the tariffs the us imports from europe declined from 1929 a high of 1334 million to just 390 million in 3 years while us exports to europe fell from 2341 million in 29 to 784 million in 1932 overall The world trade declined by 66 percent because of the Smoot-Hawley tariffs from 1929 to 1934. That they had to get rid of it, and they came up with something much better: Reciprocal Trade Agreement Act, and that's that replaced Smoot-Hawley. But I mean, this, and so we're going to talk about going back to the days of Smoot-Hawley. You're not going to, you're not going to, you tariff China. China will tear a few ten times back. And how many things do we sell to China Uh, as much as how many jobs we create over there? How many – I mean, it would create – I mean, look at what's happening with oil now that everybody's got their spigots open. Now that we've given Iran the money back, they need to take care of their infrastructure (laughs) now. And we've opened up the ability for them to put their oil on the market now to everywhere. I mean, look what's happened. I mean – the stock market crashed again today.
2: It was down 450 points when I was driving up here. Yeah. I don't know what it closed at. But but uh, this
0: is what we're talking about, my friend. So when you listen to these people talking about these panaceas, tax the rich, slap tariffs, well, that's how it's going. We're going to force companies to, to produce here in the United States and not allow them to produce outside the country. All we're doing is we're talking nonsense that sounds good to the unintelligent person because, oh, yeah, well, if you tax the rich because I'm not rich, we tax the rich, that'll be fine. And the problem is, if the rich, if you took all the taxes, you know, if you tax yeah, them all just, their There's ne- just not income. enough money
2: there. And even Bernie Sanders has admitted that. He, he had to admit in the debate, and he's admitted it even prior to the debate, you're going to have to tax the middle down class. The middle
0: class, yep. But I'll only make it like 2 or 3%. Well, yeah, just like we're going to have your own doctors. You know, you're going to keep your own doctors. Everything has dropped down dramatically. And in fact, one of the big healthcare companies came out and said they're getting ready to drop this Obamacare stuff. This because what's happened is they've had so many people. their the money that they put out has been so ungodly that it ain't even coming close to the money that they're bringing in, and they're losing. And on that side of their business, they're losing their shirts. So they're saying, hey, they're tearing their shareholders, and they're warning again to the government, we're going to have to pull out.
2: Well, that's what the government and wants, though. I, that that's you know, that to get that, the that goes pair. by. That goes back to what I've always said about Obamacare. It was just a step in the process, and uh, they, they they want these companies to, to fold their tents and get out of the business because then nobody had then then the American people have no place else to turn to the government. It's it's really a very sinister uh, plan, and, and 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 people need to, as we go into this election, people need to understand where we're headed. We have a large percentage of Americans right now that are buying into this. Socialism, and the, the fact that, that that they've somehow been cheated by the rich people and the big corporations, and it's time to to get back at them. Where nothing could be further from the truth. The biggest problem in this country are the people who are telling you that. It's government. That's right. They are. Th- they that's are exactly the problem. Right.
0: And that's why I've said all along. That with this administration, especially more than any other administration in history, when, when he- their ideology is to fundamentally change this country to a socialist. And don't give me this democratic socialist because it, that's nonsense. Socialism is socialism, you know. And no matter how you put the lipstick on the pig, it's still socialism. And when you start taxing, why do you think all these countries, Finland? They always throw Finland and Sweden and these other countries up as as these stalwarts of of what it's all about then you break it down you look at the numbers of what they're paying in taxes what their average income is and you look at what they're paying in taxes on top of their average income it is so much lower it's twelve thousand dollars in 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 the let's just say in that area sweden norway finland yeah they have free health care yes they have free education but their average is thirty six thousand or 32,000, where our average is 44,000. So, and on top of that, they're paying a 25% VAT tax plus new car taxes and all these other taxes. So what they do is they're willing to take a little. They're willing to be more, more, uh, less things. They take less things to try to make the whole better. And what they found is companies were leaving. Everybody. Well, now, what do they
2: produce? Up? Exactly. Let's, let's face it. We, we talk out of both sides of our mouth. We want to be this big industrial power, and we want to be. But we'll, what does Finland produce? You know, what does Norway produce?
0: Well, I think Norway. Norway's big thing is oil, and when oil was booming, they had a lot of money coming in as compared to. But now that oil is tanked, nobody has gone back and looked at the numbers of what's happening in Norway right now.
2: Saab's out of business in Sweden. I mean, what what, 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 these countries, you can't you can't compare an economy that size. I think I think Sweden has an economy the size of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you can't compare an entire nation with the economy the size of South Carolina to the world's biggest economy.
0: Plus the military that they don't have to pay for. Sure. uh, And all these other things. So, yeah. And their people are willing to take less. To live on this plateau, but then. When the businesses started shrinking and when companies started pulling out, and when things started, they, all those countries now are more leaning towards capitalism than they've ever leaned before and they're pushing further to that. And I mean, it, it, it is not, my friends, and you brought up a great point and it's a great way to finish this, this show today, Greek. My friends, I ask you, why are you voting this year? Why should you go to the polls and vote for a presidential candidate and for congressmen and senators this year? Why more than ever, what is the reason for you to do it? What is your motivation? And if your motivation is to just take care of yourself and your family, don't buy into the free college and the free health care. Don't buy into it because that's what they want you to buy into. That's what they set you up for. That's what the last eight years has been all about. To get you to buy into, the government will take care of you. You just... Just leave it to the federal government. We'll take care of you because we're going to be your fallback. And yet, in the same voice, they don't tell you it's the staggering debt. It is the staggering debt because one day it's all got to come. It's all got to be paid. We've kicked it down the can, uh, kicked the can down the road so long now. And instead of the Republicans coming and doing what they said they were going to do, this budget that they just passed is going to increase by 130 billion. Our deficit again. We
2: don't even talk in terms of reducing the deficit anymore. We talk we talk about in terms of, of keeping the deficit down to a, a manageable levels. We, we no one turns. No one talks about in terms of, of paying back what we're already in the hole for.
0: And you know when you when you're taking two dollars away from the military from every dollar you cut from federal from the military, how in the world does that benefit this country? How does it benefit it? Because you've got to cut, listen, entitlements is a big chunk of debt. So is Social Security. And you've got to do something with that. But if you tie into entitlements, taking money away from the military, you're going to shrink the military at a time where the military has always needed to be strong. And thank God it was strong, and thank God. But the times where we have pulled back from the military, what's happened? Other people stepped up they and caused problems. And, and, and,
2: and, that's, and that's my greatest fear 50, 60 years down the road. As Social Security begins to, as these baby boomers continue to retire and Social Security becomes more and more and more of a burden on our economy, mm-hmm. people are going to worry about themselves first. And so my biggest fear is that the military will suffer. And that while people are worried about their own individual needs and their own taking care of themselves, we're going to shrink from the world stage. And when we shrink down to a point where somebody thinks that we're conquerable, we will be conquered. So yeah, if you're 50, 60 years old like we are, you probably won't live it long enough to see it. But kids that are 15, 16 years old right now, they could very well, by the time they get to our age, be living under the thumb of a foreign power because Very we isolated. will not have the capacity to defend ourselves and our interests around the world because we're too busy taking care of things like socialized medicine and medicare and and social security
0: and this is why i ask you my friends we, we
2: will beat ourselves before we we're, were beaten
0: well that's that that is what lincoln said that's what the founders fought we would never be defeated from somewhere else we would be defeated be defeated by
2: but the coup de grace will be administered by somebody else
0: right exactly and and so this is why I bring up this question ask yourself seriously whether you're driving around whether you're at home tonight whether you hear this show anywhere in the world that listens to this show ask yourself when it comes time to vote what are you voting for are you voting for your country your constitution for the longevity of what you have now or are you voting for a quick make it easier on me because it sounds good think about that and then listen to these candidates listen to the Democrats pander listen to the to the other side the rhinos trying to walk that fine line between giving you conservatism and giving you liberalism and then listen to the conservatives because those are your choices the conservatives are all about protecting this country protecting what we have reinforcing the Constitution bringing this country back to a moral compass to, to write the swinging pendulum and get it back to where we have, where the next generation and generations after can receive the bounties that we have had.
2: And they can build on our successes.
1: That's and, exactly and, right.
2: And, and, and one last thing that I want to, before we wrap this show up, we didn't even give a chance to really even get into Hillary Clinton's problems. Mm-hmm. But um, when people talk about the big evil co- corporations and they, and they pound this endlessly when you hear Bernie Sanders talk about it, don't forget that that's your neighbor. That's right. That's the guy down the street. That's the guy smoking a cigar in the chair next to you. These corporations are not nameless, faceless uh, entities uh, that are only run by, five, by a handful of, of greedy rich men. These corporations are the lifeblood of America. These are your neighbors, and, and, and they're entrenched in our society. And we have to come to grips with the fact that we have to make it work for all of us. And we can only do it through capitalism. And these companies have to be successful. They have to flourish if we're going to flourish as a nation.
0: And all I'll say, and I'll finish up with this, Walmart. Our biggest business in this country is Walmart. They're talking about closing 256 stores. hundred of them overseas, 156 here. Hundreds of stores are going to close and one of the, and in some of the big cities are going to close or out in the West Coast. and why even supercenters are going to close because they can't afford $15 an hour. They can't do it. So remember this when you hear this minimum wage nonsense, raising it to $15, every time you vote for something like that, just realize how many jobs you're going to cost this country. 10,000 people are going to be laid off at Walmart, 10,000 starting at the end of this month because they can't afford to keep going the way they're going. And that's only going to affect you. Now, winners and losers, Greg.
2: My winner this week, I'm gonna go with the GOP for cutting their ties to NBC. Um, They... CNN
0: and Washington Times picked it up, but...
2: Well, anything's better than than working directly with the enemy. And after the way they were treated with the uh, last MSNBC debacle, I'm glad that they had the stones to step up and say, you oh, know, we, we, we don't need you, you know, you, your viewership is inconsequential to our voting base anyway. Uh, we want it to be accessible. We gave you the opportunity to treat us fairly. You didn't. So we're going to go and take a more direct approach to the people that we think we, we can influence and, and are going to come and vote for us anyway. So they would be my winner. My loser for the week, um, i I hesitate to just make it simple and say the DNC for put for the Sunday debate. So I'm going to go and I'm going to say that it was I, I'm going to say it was Donald Trump. I, I think he lost a lot of of his credibility in this uh, this new war he's waging against Ted Cruz, particularly by taking an issue like the birther thing, which is so ridiculous and 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 it it, it almost to me it smacks of desperation. And why a guy that would be leading the polls would be that desperate so soon. Unless he knows something.
0: The internals. It's always in the internals of the polls. And nobody, only the wonks in the, in the, uh, because they never want you to know the internals. They just want to
1: throw
0: I, out the, and I'm thinking in their own internal, I think you're absolutely right.
2: I, I think he sees something or he's been told something that uh, is making him desperate. And I think that was a desperate, and it was, a, it was to me, in my opinion, it was a pitiful move.
0: My lo- I'm going to start out with my loser. The loser of the week this week is music fans around the world ah. with the death of Glenn Frey. Glenn Frey was an icon in the rock business. I mean, if you ever have a chance to watch the story of the Beatles from beginning to end, see what how this guy just fought through so much to keep the Eagles together, produce the music that they produced. So we all who love music... We're at a loss this this time for the for the loss of Glenn, Glenn Fry. My winner this week, I don't care what anybody else says, was Ted Cruz. And the reason I say Ted Cruz won, he absolutely was brilliant at this last debate. He was absolutely brilliant. Tailed off a little at the end, but for two hours and 55 minutes, or one hour and 55 minutes, I thought he was absolutely outstanding, Greek. And uh, no, he, he, he he was... He answered everything. He 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 was funny. He had command of the issues. He he nailed them down. And in areas where they were trying to get him, they didn't get him. Trump had to pull out the 9/11 card because he had no other way to respond to New York values. And he, next week we're going to work on getting that back because I want you to hear what Donald. I Trump
2: said. I think I realized what I was doing. I, I was the audio for uh, Mixler is also running, so there were two audio channels going into the one. Uh, output so we, we got it to come through we we know how to do it we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna work
0: because we want you to hear that next week and uh so we thank you so much for staying in tune with us day i hope you got your package uh i hope you get to see a picture of lou's new hair i'm sure you'll appreciate up it on facebook and everybody who listens we really really appreciate it to our troops and our first responders we really appreciate the work that you do the price of freedom
2: is never free
0: until next week, my friends, we hope that you'll keep an eye on the paper, follow your candidates, start getting more engaged, because the chickens are starting to come home to roost, and let's hope we can roost a good conservative at the top of the ticket. Till next week, everyone, God bless you all, God bless America, and God willing, we'll be here next week on What's Your Point.